0: Welcome to the second episode of the Chai and Cafe podcast, where we'll be talking about hot topics, current events, politics, society, and culture. Really anything we feel like, because it's our podcast. Today's episode, Brown Men, We Need to Talk. Recently, I actually uh, put up a, I guess a survey or a poll, would you say, on my Facebook page to the community. And... Really, it was guided towards uh, the brown folks within my own community saying, if you could change one thing about your upbringing, what would it be? A majority or at least one-fifth of the participants state they wouldn't change a thing.
1: Which is funny. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) Because a majority of the co-hosts, admittedly a smaller group, think that there are absolutely things that brown men could change or at least recognize need to be changed but won't.
0: I see what you mean, but let me at least finish the statistics. Look, 3 out of 25 said they wish their parents taught financial wellness and investing.
1: Okay, so more focus on money and less on emotional awareness and responsibility.
0: (laughs) Got it. 2 out of 25 also noted familial corporal punishment, a.k.a the chancla or belt, uh, you know, any kind of whoops as disciplinary action?
2: Well, I don't condone abuse personally. I didn't have to be slapped too many times, to be honest, <laughs> to learn a lesson. Um, <laughs> like the last time I can specifically remember <laughs> is, uh, at least just being slapped or something is um, when I didn't learn my multiplication tables in the second grade, and <laughs> that was like the last moment ever. And not to toot my own horn, but like honor roll, dean's list ever since. So low key, it seems like guys are kind of asking for less accountability for their actions.
0: I mean, I, I definitely deserved every bow bow or whooping any kind of coscoron uh, that I received coming up as a kid, but. Uh, well, I should say so. I guess I see uh, what you're getting at overall, but hold up. Two out of 25 did reference wanting a father figure or at least more emotional availability in their childhood, and we're definitely going to touch on that uh, as well as some other stats that that were mentioned from the the overall responses, but um, a bit more of that will come in our next episode. But right now, I'd like to ask my two very eager and well-qualified co-hosts who identify as brown women what their thoughts are on topics based on their own lived experiences with brown men. Rose and Tara chimed in a little during the statistics here. So how do you really feel?
2: Well, for one, none of y'all would change expecting women's labor.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it really seems like... Many guys just want to be spoon-fed or even expect that. Seriously. I mean, honestly, what what
2: actually causes brown men to expect answers and help from their community? I really need to know this.
1: (laughs) It's usually brown women, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Setting it up for them. Uh, Yeah,
2: absolutely. They utilize us as a crutch for immediate answers, and I'd argue they've been enabled to do it. Um, I have... Mm -hmm a couple of, I have many examples, but I'll just stick to one example, um, of like, you know, a spoon feeder. And, um, I'm really vocal on my socials when it comes to like social justice issues and advocacy, um, allyship. And I happen to know Brown men, Brown cisgender men who sort of rely on me to further educate them on certain topics instead of, I don't know, just taking it upon themselves to do more research independently because I really feel like it's only then that we can actually get into more substantive discussions quicker. And I mean, like Google's free. I used it myself.
0: Uh, Wait a minute. I think I might be one of those guys.
2: I mean, yeah. And further, uh, when some of them... (laughs) some of them just want a participation trophy or like validation for doing the bare
1: minimum when it comes to advocacy. And it's just, no, just no, no. Yeah, that's really frustrating, especially like what you said, right? With Google, it's free, it's out there. (laughs) you have Chrome, it's your homepage. Right, and it's it's not like I have any extra
2: (laughs) skill or like just secret sauce. Like I I just literally use Google. and And I feel... As if, (laughs) I don't know, I I just really feel like there's been an enablement somewhere. I don't know if it stems from childhood. I don't know. I I don't know. Um, And we're definitely going to dig into that not only here but on the next episode. But it's just interesting that a lot of that seems to fall on a brown woman's shoulders. And, uh, you know, obviously this extends to more than just – brown people dynamics but obviously that's our lived experience so
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and just in regard to all sorts of labor like emotional or you know even in this case rose what you just mentioned sharing information that's easy to find I found from my own experience that labor can also be actual labor so I have a bit of an anecdote to share um, that can illustrate this, which um, happened a couple of years ago um, at my previous place of work. I had a coworker who was a brown man, um, not on my team, but he sat, you know, he was in my org. He sat a couple uh, cubes away. And so one day he didn't show up to work. um, And toward the end of the day, he texted me and asked if I would generate a quote for one of his customers. And I'm not really sure about a lot of other sales orgs, but at least at the company that we were both in at the time, this isn't a simple process. It sounds like it should be very quick and easy, but it's actually pretty time consuming. And so first of all, just him asking rubbed me the wrong way, but I told him like, hey, no, you need to do it. Like I would need all of your login info to do this, all of the access to your tools, like, I have no idea what this customer even wants, like, you do it, it's your job, and he was a bit insistent, like, hey, you know, help me out, please do this for me, and I just put my foot down and said no, and I did notice that, like, following this incident, I guess you could call it, his behavior wasn't as friendly toward me, it shifted a little bit, and it was also just so odd that, this expectation even came up, right? Like he should have should have first of all been doing this on his own, like it's his own job. And then second, like if you need help, maybe ask someone on your team or your manager. I don't know, instead of reaching out to the one random brown girl <laughs> on your floor. Um, so that was uncomfortable. And honestly, just thinking back on it, it makes me so mad. It's like, come on, man. Like a grown ass man would, do your right? Job. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so that was one and then another incident or something else that we've noticed at least is just um when it comes to boundaries which are super important you know just having boundaries put up in all sorts of situations so i've noticed and then rose feel free to chime in here too um but i've seen brown men treating women of color often very differently so I guess to be more specific, brown men treating brown women differently. So, for instance, their idea of boundaries kind of just seems to diminish when they see a brown woman who they might have some interest in, but there's just Mm -hmm. a sense of no respect for her unless she has a partner. (laughs) Unless she has a partner. So it's like they need a partner to just be off limits. It's not like they're... um, you know, off limits on their own, which is frustrating when it's attention that you don't want and is uncalled for. Um, and Rose, I think there were a couple things, right. That you wanted to add here. Um, well, I just feel like it's just such
2: an, it's so inconsiderate. First of all, like they're very inconsiderate of boundaries, minimal respect. I mean, it's just there doesn't need to be another man per se in order for that boundary to be respected or just for you to not be flirted with and for you to actually have platonic conversations. It's like, it's, it's exhausting first of all, but also I feel like it comes from cross cultures. Uh, You know, again, just kind of referencing our identity episode. I'm Nicaraguan and Fijian, so I come from Latinx culture and I come from Pacific Islander, South Asian culture. And um, something that, although there didn't seem to be a term for it in South Asian culture, there is a term for it in Latin culture called machismo. And um, the kind of the the equivalent of that, the more female equivalent, is marianismo. And um, I'm sure that a lot of people are probably familiar with what machismo is, and it's just strong, aggressive, masculine pride. It's, um, you know, just a sense of power or strength, and it really just centers around the patriarchy. And then Marianismo is more the embodiment of the feminine. Um, The best example that I can say that I've heard um, even growing up is like the phrase, Mas calladita más bonita. And that means the quieter you are, the prettier you are, which is oh boy. like absolutely bullshit, but it just goes to show you um how there's there's an actual lexicon around that in in Latin culture and it's very much I think apparent also in South Asian culture even if there isn't those exact terms for it and um you know, I just feel like it's been enabled and I also feel that it's kind of something that men need to start calling out other men about Um, you know, and, and I have my speculations as to where it comes from. Like, I mean, especially in Latin culture, like Roman Catholic theology and I don't know uh, just is there, I'm curious as to what you two think. Like, where is where does this shit stem from?
0: Um, I'd venture to say, well, for one, it for each individual, it starts with parenting and upbringing. Like, whatever's normal in the household is bound to play out in your own life unless there's, like, checks and balances along the way. Like, unless you have people on your team that are like, hey, don't do that. That's stupid. Or, yo, that's really lame. Or you don't have to be that type of guy. You're actually better than that in these kinds of ways you might fall down certain paths. So um, culturally though, I, I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of just patriarchy in general. Uh, it's, it's a power play, right? The idea of machismo is toughness and bravado and showing that you're not scared to back down and pride and all that comes with the idea of perhaps needing to have and needing to survive and needing to feel like you can provide as an individual I mean, there's all these kinds of pressures, right? Uh, when, when growing up to feel like, oh, you you need to have certain things and to be able to to do things if you're going to be the man of the house. But it's like, well, what really is that if you're a man who's either an emotional wreck or a man who doesn't know how to gauge emotion or even recognize how to understand what it is to grow into your emotions um, and manage that or even to manage other people's. So uh, for me, I think it, it starts with the parents and it starts with the household, but that stems back towards, you know, how they might've come up and what influenced those cultures.
2: Also, shout out to you for being willing to be put on the hot seat as a brown man, because Uh, you're going in.
1: (laughs) uh, Tara? (laughs) Seriously. Yeah, I I agree with both of you. I think it really does stem from childhood and upbringing. Um, I will say that I've noticed at least in like Indian culture, a lot of my parents' friends tended to also be Indian, which may have, you know, possibly amplified it for some men when they're surrounded by that same kind of um, attitude from their friends and their friends' parents. Maybe they just grow up thinking that it's very normal to be a certain way. And it's more so that once they you know, leave the house for college and meet other folks or if they're in a pretty diverse area, they realize that, hey, like there are other ways to be and other ways to act. But I think a lot of it really does come from yeah. the home and I actually, family life.
0: When I had certain, in a past life, I guess I should say, because I can say that now since I'm beyond 30 years of age. <laughs> but um, you know, during like my collegiate years, I actually had a, a pretty good friend who wasn't scared to call me out. This person happened to be a woman of color, and she was like, you know, that's not you. Like, why do you why do you do certain things, or why are you acting a certain way? And it wasn't until I hate to say it, but it wasn't until a woman said that to my face where I realized like, damn, it's not all it's cracked up to be coming from the guys or whatever I was taught or shown was allowed to pass in high school, beyond high school into, you know, early college tenure and leading into mid college. Wasn't necessarily it. it felt like it might've been it because the atmosphere that I'm in or you know, society's norms, whatever the cultural norms are, support that. Uh, and At the same time, if you're only around things that vibe with what you're doing, you're going to think it's okay. The moment you get out of your element though, or challenged in a way, I think it really is up to the individual to think, okay, I've been presented with a perspective or a point that isn't what I'm used to. Now, what do I do with that?
2: So I have to ask then, you heard it from a woman of color, no doubt it was probably impactful, but... I guess. Why did it have to take that? You know, um, you, you were in a fraternity Good question. Like I, I just sometimes have to wonder if, if it wouldn't have been more impactful hearing it from people like you growing up or even in your friends group. Um, you know, and if that, if that happened even like, did that happen? And if it didn't, um, that's certainly one of the critiques that I would have.
0: <laughs> I'm actually happy you asked because while I was, and still am involved with the fraternal organization, you know, not every guy's the same. Um, the louder voices typically tend to be the ones that are most heard or, or most looked at in some cases. And not everybody was doing, you know, grimy things, right. Or just acting out just being a quote-unquote guy in a sense, but when people were to, like, let's say, check it, you know, those conversations were had. However, I don't think the responsibility was really taken that seriously uh, in a sense because there are so many more people outside of my fraternal organization and involved on campus that are just going about the norm. So it, like I said, it really is a matter of someone checking their themselves and, and trying to find where that balance is at. Like, where do I where do I really get real with myself and am I being real with myself in terms of how I'm acting and what I'm doing? Um, whether it's someone who's single and, and doing their own thing and just trying to play the field, quote unquote, um, or whether it's someone who is not single and able to show how they respect themselves or their significant other and whether or not people who are single want to make that, uh, something to idolize or to appreciate and to try to mock or not mock necessarily, but to live up towards, um, but realistically, I mean, how many, how many people in general nowadays are really considering long-term relationships like that? I feel like the world is seemingly staying single or at least living within that single bubble. Um, but at that point in time, I think it mattered the most because it came from a woman to me because when she said it, I recognized so many other women from my own family or close friends groups that I realized, damn, like if she feels this way, how would those people also feel if they knew or felt that way about me? And that feeling in itself was just enough to bring more onus to, to I guess, my own individual person to say, okay, I, I, I got to straighten something out. Uh, whereas even though I had guy friends and have guy friends, they might catch you and say, hey, bro, like straighten your shit out. I mean, we're with each other all the time. So I feel like I see them do things and not everybody's perfect, but at the same time, you know, there's so much other things that at that point in time, I would think I was more concerned of them. I wasn't necessarily concerned how they were treating uh, a specific relationship. If it wasn't quote unquote, a serious relationship, instead I was just seeing that as something to be like, Oh, well, he's just talking to that person. That's his business. I'm more concerned about whether this dude's going to graduate or not. And was it right? Probably not. But at the same time, If someone's single, I'm not going to make it my business to immediately jump in and say, hey, fix that at that point in my life. Now, I don't have an issue speaking out as much to be like, you know, that's kind of grimy. You're doing people dirty. Like, that shouldn't be the case. But I'm older. I'm more grown. And it's circumstance.
2: Listeners, you can't see me, but I'm making the biggest stank face right now.
0: (laughs) I mean, you've also been a very responsible person your entire life. So, like... You know it's <laughs> I think it's a matter of people growing stage by stage uh, of their existence and recognizing and being willing to see it like i said I, I at the time I thought I saw it, but I wasn't i when until I got called out, I wasn't willing to see it. I'm also pretty hard headed and the type of personality and and I don't know my, the way that my brain operates it sadly takes a, a lot for me to kind of knock some common sense.
2: I guess I have to wonder though. If that behavior wasn't enabled, would it have taken a brown woman to check you or checking you to actually sink in? Because, you know, you mentioned you didn't really involve yourself if like your boys were just hollering at a girl or something like that was their, that was their business. That was their thing. Um, I just have to wonder if, if that conversation happened and kept happening and was like central to your dialogue, not only just like as part of your fraternity, but also when you're in high school, like if, if this kind of thing was more talked about and more like, like Bro, that wasn't cool. I don't know. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying to sound like I don't think you want to hear the friends. way people were
0: talking when I was in high school. Right now. But exactly. <laughs> That's a completely different monster.
2: Exactly. So it's like, you know, I, I just, the reason I say that is because I just wonder if those conversations were to be more at the forefront of men's mind, perhaps it wouldn't have to take a woman checking you and having that jarring, like, what the fuck? in order for you to like truly internalize and understand i don't know do you have any thoughts tara
1: yeah i i'm first of all just actually impressed that it was like a woman of color which is what made you question your behavior because i would think in a lot of situations it would be a brown man being approached by maybe someone who is white for instance saying something for them to man, be like no, oh let me nah, check hold my on behavior <laughs> Um
0: so I far beyond that look unless you're a cop not even maybe unless you're a judge a doctor and you're talking about my own personal health if if that's the case more than like that I'm sure it might not be taken as seriously like I don't know I I just think uh, as a brown man but- if 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 it seemed like a, a white guy was trying to be like hey you know you really need to buddy I'm going to be like look bro you don't understand me by any means
2: Well you know what <laughs> though up. she has a point because I just feel like I don't know, South Asian culture. I kind of do feel like, I don't know, Tara, you can expand on it, but I feel like what you're saying is true for South Asian men, but go on.
1: Yeah. Like, I think first of all, the fact that, like I said, like if a woman, like a brown woman were to say something, a lot of times I think it would just be dismissed as like, oh, whatever. Like, maybe this is just true for her. It's not really true of the whole, which, you know, even if that's the argument it's not valid, <laughs> but anyway, the point is that I think if a brown man were approached by like a white man, like a friend or an, a, more of a friend, I would say, I think they would really take, um, that, um, advice or whatever they're saying more seriously, because it is coming from another man. And I think them being white does make a difference. Um, just in what I I've have seen. to add, who I have
2: to wonder how much, um, Colonialism fits into this If they have to be told <laughs> Right
0: I, it, Well when you put Right <laughs> When you or put for it in that, that perspective to make an I, I can see why you would think that um, Not to say brown men have not Also checked me Like I definitely had a, a few moments in my life where People of my own community had to be like You're lucky I don't scrape you right now <laughs> For some of the actions you've taken Or some of the things you've done Because of your lack of consideration XYZ And you know, those kinds of things compound, right? And it, it's a matter of of recognizing what your community is telling you. And realistically, I think what your conscious is telling yourself. Um, but, I mean, I, I have friends who are, are really close to me, a lot actually, who happen to be white. And, you know, I do listen to what they say. Uh, but I think because I've heard so many more negative comments from, I, I guess, the white community, whether it's just in, in joke or whether it's sincere vitriol <laughs> or discontent. Um, sometimes that kind of is like water off a duck's back in a sense. It's like I I might take more I don't want to say take more offense, but I, I might be quicker to consider what they're telling me just to make sure it's coming from the right place first, rather than idolize it as, you know, the end all be all and like, wow, I really should let that sink in. You know, unless it's somebody that I know is is pretty wise and learned, I guess. Uh, you know, whether it's from the streets or from academia. It's um, not to knock people and their, their lived experiences, but um, as mentioned, I think because it was a woman of color, and it's not to say she was the only person, but because it was this person, it wasn't just that she said it. It was how she said it, Tara. And I know that's a trite thing to say, but <laughs> but in the moment and, and where I was at in my point in life, <laughs> it was something that really like stuck with me, and I was like, damn. Cause I don't don't get me wrong. I was I was actually let down with myself because it had to be her to say it. I that's that's what that's what hit so hard. I was like, man, she she had to be the one to say it, like a person of my own community. I must be effing up, right? And then when I realized how many times it might have come up in the past where I just let it kind of ride off, I was like, you know what? There's validity to this. <laughs> I gotta check myself.
2: Um just really quickly, I think before <laughs> we move on to the next point, I was just gonna say, I I really just I don't know if it if it really just comes down to I, I don't know. So I, I guess to to reformulate my thought here, there is certainly a difference from what I'm hearing in how, you know, you responded to the cue to chill out, Gabe. And um I'm also seeing that when it comes to South Asian culture, sometimes it takes somebody outside of that culture or definitely not a woman in order to like actually, I don't know, take that message to heart. And I do find that really sad. And ultimately, I just feel like men across the board can do better if there is this expected labor of a woman to have to check people, and um, especially given the the power structure, the power dynamic in the world that we live in, like period, um, I just feel that there are there's a lot of labor extracted from brown, black women, um, and it's just something that I think more men need to be aware of this dynamic because ultimately, men do have privilege. In this society. And sometimes it does take another man to say this and to normalize this in order for it to actually spark some cultural change.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to add to that, I think that there's a lot of labor that has to take part on a woman's part, basically in a romantic sense, when from what I've seen at least, for instance, like an Indian man dating an Indian woman doesn't tend to treat her as well as he would if she were to be a non-Indian. It's as if she has more to prove both to Hmm. him and to his family, right? Like she's Indian enough or her rotis are round enough and all of this kind of thing. Whereas if he were dating someone of a different culture, it would be less for that person to prove. So the behavior is definitely different, and I think all of that falls in line, um, or falls under the umbrella of toxic masculinity. And also when we think about it, it seems like these brown men would rather engage in um, like simp behavior with someone from another culture um at least earlier on in the relationship or I during can the totally honeymoon see phase that. like uh,
0: oh. ain't easy man <laughs> somebody's got to do definitely
1: it definitely witnessed that
2: growing up like i have definitely witnessed that growing up it's like there's this overcompensation to try to win over the person um especially if they're of a different culture um especially if they're white but it it's just not that kind of uh, it's not that same energy if, if you're dating like skin folk, for instance, if that makes sense.
1: Totally. Yeah. It's just very different from the get go. Like everything is so much more questioned if you're the same culture. And like I said, it's not just the partner, the, the man, it's his family and maybe possibly his mom where a lot of behaviors were learned, which We'll go into in a later episode, but it's you. tough.
0: Um, and for those who are listening that might not know what simp is, uh, the overall slang term of it basically is a, a guy that's overly desperate for a woman, and especially if she's in some cases a bad person or, or just bad in terms of like, damn, she's fine. Uh, they want to do too much or they'll have to try to express a little bit too much for them.
2: I'm glad you read that definition because I realized that we're three millennials trying to throw in some Gen Z terms, <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> but it's true. It's applicable. Um, and I, I will say that I don't love the concept of hating on simps, and we'll definitely go into that in a later episode, but um, it's it is frustrating as, you know, As a woman of color, when you see that there is more of this um, just, I don't know, kind behavior when it comes to dating, uh, I don't know, just white women. (laughs) I hate to say it so bluntly, but uh, it's something that I've just picked up on um, in high school, in college, post-college working it's definitely a dynamic that um does not escape me
1: mm. Mhm. yeah definitely gabe are no, you gonna just, add uh, something
0: a solid point it's it's been a real moment of recognition or i i guess uh what's they're looking for here i was taken aback my eyes have been opened
2: <laughs> if your eyes have been open from this short 30 minute combo, imagine, imagine how much more open they'll be over the course of this podcast season or seasons. But, um, you know, I, I did want to, uh, just kind of lead us into some concluding thoughts. Obviously a lot of what we're talking about follows the gender binary, but, um, You know, ultimately, we are speaking from our lived experience, and um, in no way are we trying to just focus on on heteronormativity. But, um, you know, this is what I see, and I just felt like airing it out because it's certainly something that's frustrating. Because although I'm grateful that Gabe has learned a lot from his experiences, there are plenty of people our age. It's evident have not. Um, but that's kind of my my takeaway from this.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of work for brown men to do. And I think now more than ever, people are more open and willing to have conversations like this one. Um, so in a way, they are a great learning experience and way to see maybe how to correct some behavior. So yeah, I think there's definitely hope for... <laughs> Current brown men, future brown men to not improve right. and evolve.
0: <laughs> That's true.
1: <laughs> Hop on the For bandwagon worth, now.
0: Um, I think a lot of these men have these kinds of thoughts, beliefs, or actions, or act upon these kind of notions. I hate to say it, but it, because a brown woman probably hurt them at one point in their life, and once again, they didn't know how to manage the emotion they felt within and they were just like, oh, what do I do with this? But
2: I have to wonder if there was a certain expectation then tied to that relationship. Um, because sometimes <laughs> that.
0: Men just be expecting.
1: You know, <laughs> you have to go into things with that expectation.
0: you got to lower those expectations, people.
1: It always boils down to
2: where exactly. did this stem from? And we're not a monolith. Everybody's different. There's that too.
0: All right. Well, thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rose, Tara. You both have been very um, helpful in this uh, for our, not just myself, but for the listeners, uh, most importantly, for the brown men. And I have to say, if you listen to this episode and were just in your feelings the whole time, maybe you need to just work on things and not get mad at uh, the majority of the co hosts, if not all of us. That part. Uh, because a lot of what they talked about, I related with and I was able to kind of see into myself and, and past transgressions, things of that nature. So it's just a matter of, of being better, doing better and uh, being willing to, you know, keep keep your head open, uh, keep your thoughts open to you know, things people are trying to tell you. Um, oddly enough, it had to come from brown women. So, you know, boom, kind Dang of interesting. Drop. But uh, with that being said, you know. I do want to make sure that the listeners we have uh, are aware we will have a follow-up to this. Uh, this was a really engaging conversation um, within I'd say two weeks time or so. Uh, and it would be part two uh, to, con- to conclude it. And where you can find us uh, till that point in time, we'll be on the social medias. Of course, IG and Twitter. It's all the same at chai and cafe. That's at C-H-A-I-A-N-D-C-A-F-E. And, uh, you know, we'll be more than happy to have some extra extended content there for you. You can check out, like, share. Please make sure that you show us some love. Um, We always want to encourage the interaction with us via social media. And uh, who knows? uh, Maybe you might be able to inspire us for something we want to do for the show.
2: We love hearing from y'all, and we hope that you enjoyed hearing from us. Thanks, guys. See you in the
1: next
0: one.